Welcome back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast. Rooney, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. We got, this is, uh, a, this we is got a big episode here. Yeah, because we, uh, this, we don't got too many um, left. Well, yeah, no, like I was just looking now, actually, by the time this comes out, uh, this episode, there will be. Um, you know, NHL games going on, uh, you know, it's kind of the start of the preseason a little bit starts tomorrow with the LA Kings and Arizona Coyotes playing their global series. Um, is it in, it is in Australia. Um, so, you All know, right. NHL preseason's kind of getting underway. Um, that's the only game taking place tomorrow um, in our area. It is a 10.05 p.m. start time. Um, so it is, you know, quite, quite late uh, game, just, you know, with it being Australian and all. But Thank then, God it's on, you know, on a Friday, at least. Or yeah. uh, on the weekend. Well, and for people saying that, you know, that well, actually, no, everybody does say the Arizona Coyotes get a lot of love from Batman. Um, but yeah, so they play the Global Series tomorrow versus LA. And then on Saturday, they actually have three more um preseason games going on um they have uh two games against the st louis blues i'm assuming that's a i don't know how they're doing this to be honest they must have like i don't know what like i don't know what's going on here but it's, it says they play three times tomorrow um on twice the, against the, the blues day? yeah and then once more against the the la kings i wonder if two um, of them are their uh are there prospect teams? It, yeah, it has to be some like that, and it has to be like they're sending like, um, like they the, they can only send a certain amount to Australia. It's not like you know, whole like everybody's going. So they probably only got maybe, I don't know, twenty, twenty two, twenty three guys going over there, and then you know a couple sub out between the games. And then I think it's the majority and the bulk of everybody else, yeah, is, is staying behind and it's, you know, whatever, 36, so 18 and 18. Um, you know, playing in those other two, I'm not really sure, but anyways. And then it's Sunday when every other team is, is kind of brought into the mix more, um, with quite a few preseason games going on, um, starting from Sunday onward. Yeah, it'll be. God, I'm. It's so nice that hockey's almost back, man. <laughs> yeah, God, especially after the the short off seasons in recent memory. Like this this summer really dragged on. Not getting to watch yeah. any hockey. Well, and especially like what we talked about before, where it, August for the most part, like really just kind of felt like a dead month. Like I know there was times when uh, we we weren't even planning on doing the whole you know, division by division breakdown. We kind of just, that was a spur of the moment idea we thought of because we were like, shit, like, what do we, um, we can't what, just what, do what trivia do do? every single, well, every and single podcast. And that's the like, thing is, is I still, yeah, like I still have the files from one episode that we, we, that didn't end up getting into the fold two, um, to coming out just because we started doing the divisional breakdowns. But that was a whole episode just, 
um, around us kind of doing like trivia games and whatnot, because we had nothing uh, that we could really talk about. So it's nice now that, you know, from this point on uh, forward um, for the foreseeable future, you know, we'll have lots to, to talk about and cover and uh, keep us entertained and keep you guys entertained um, for listening. We want to start with one of the quicker ones. Let's just start with Babs. Okay. We might as well just rip the Band-Aid off and talk about it. Yeah, that's fair. So, uh, it was about maybe a little less than a week ago. Uh, on the, uh, what is it, Ray, Whit- Ray Whitney and uh, Business uh, Spit and Chicklets. Spit and Chicklets. All I could think of was uh, the pink Whitney vodka that he sells. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, they were... Did they have a certain guest on that started talking about it? Like, didn't they have, like, Boone Jenner on or something? Or did they just start uh, I, talking about it? I think they just started talking about it. And I didn't really watch the whole clip, so I've just kind of heard... Um, what was said? I, I I didn't do my homework and and watch yeah. it. So yeah, I haven't watched it. I'm personally not a huge fan of their podcast. I'm sure it's fine for the most part, but uh, I'm not a massive fan of uh, their personalities. They're a bit more brash than I I prefer. But they uh, Biz Nasty was saying that uh, I believe he said several. He wouldn't. Na- he would never name players, which is good because you don't want to just throw somebody under the bus, right? But he said several players from within the organization had contacted him and said that, like, what's going on with Babcock and asking to see pe- people's phones and look at their pictures of their families and stuff is really weird. And so that came out, and immediately everyone was like, "All right, so Babcock is a creep. He's a weirdo." Uh, and everyone just thought that without any information, because Babcock has a history of doing that kind of thing, you know, like the the Marner and ranking who puts in the most effort with the Leafs and stuff. But then yeah. it many so many people, you know, uh, Kekalainen came out and said it wasn't weird at all. Goudreau, Boone Jenner, uh, you know, uh, Wierenski, a lot of the stars were saying, no, it wasn't weird at all. But then it did come out after a pretty quick investigation that a lot of the organization people and the lower up pe- uh, lower down the lineup people and the fringe NHLers and the young guys were saying, yeah, it really felt like a power move. Yeah. Yeah. When it first started, it was, yeah, it was a lot of kind of the, the big guys of the team, the leaders, um, you know, like, yeah, like you said, Boone Jenner, um, Goudreau. I don't know if Horensky made a comment or anything. I don't think he did. I thought um, I heard he did, but uh, I definitely know the other two did. But yeah, even their GM Kekalainen said, you know, he went went through it with Babcock and he saw no issue. Um, but but then, yeah, then it comes out that, you know, he was essentially taking advantage of uh, the younger players on the team, kind of similar to what we saw with Toronto and Mitch Marner. He, you know, rather than, you know, no vet would let him get away with it. Um, so he had to go go to a young guy not not necessarily Marner wasn't a rookie at the time but some of these guys with Columbus are um and he took advantage of them and 
I mean, yeah, like when it first came out, it didn't seem too bad. But hearing the story of uh, the player is is a um, we don't know who the player is. But what was said from the player was he was invited out for lunch with Babcock. And he's like, at, okay, like coach Babcock's wants to house. take me out. It was it was to Babcock's house, apparently. Oh, that's even worse. But then yeah, it ended right. up just being he sat down, Babcock took his phone, scrolled through not only his pictures, but messages and just personal stuff on his phone, and then told him to leave. Like he didn't even and, get and, to have lunch with them or anything. Yeah, just just sent him right home. And yeah. I I know a lot of people are a lot of people are speculating, you know, was he was he looking for dirty pictures? Is he trying to get dirt on the players? Maybe, but I don't necessarily think it's that. I think it's more of he knows, especially with younger people, that phones are very private. And it's just a power move for him to be like, give me your phone. Now I'm going to look through whatever I want and you're going to sit there and like it. And like, yeah, this isn't insanely egregious in a bubble, but given Babcock's history, I think it's pretty safe to say that we know this would be this would be him building up that power before he would do something more egregious next time. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree. So um the other big thing I think that kind of for me um now that the situation has passed, my biggest takeaway is the fact that I don't know who who said it. But I know it was said because it was um, brought into the discussion of it all. Um, but it was revolving, you know, around kind of um, Wierenski, Boone Jenner, Goudreau, because Boone Jenner's the captain and then uh, the assistant captains. But it was brought up that, you know, when they were talking about how they didn't find any issues with the situation and they said, you know, for younger players um, who don't feel comfortable you know, speaking to to management or anything about it. We know that they're comfortable coming and talking to us about it and letting us know about the situation if it um, was perceived like in a negative way to them. Not a single player came to them. Yeah. Because they they backed Babcock right up until he was gone. And so so now that brings the, the whole question in of, well, now what do you do if you're Columbus? Because you've clearly got your three leaders in the room that your younger players don't feel comfortable with. They don't feel comfortable confiding in them or telling them about a situation that made them extremely uncomfortable with, within that team. Yeah. And so that's, I, a, that's a big issue for Columbus now as well. Yeah, I, I really hope that it's like, and I'm sure that it is. I like to give those guys the benefit of the doubt. You know, Goudreau, you know, Jenner, they've been around the block and and Jemmer and they, they seem like good guys. Uh, I like to think that just Babcock did it in a very casual way and he wasn't pushy with them on purpose so that they, you know, wouldn't make a big deal out of it as the leaders of the locker room. I, I really hope that they weren't sitting there and going, guys, just be cool with it. We got a new coach. This is just how things are. Like, hopefully... Hopefully they weren't putting, you know, the the organization or just keeping the peace above people's comfortability. I don't think that's what they were doing, but, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's just a very messy situation, especially when, you know, it, it looks like maybe that maybe things are slowly starting to turn for Columbus. You know, they got Goudreau. Um, 
you know, they've got a bunch of great young prospects coming up. They managed to snag Fantilli in the draft. You think they finally have, um, you know, their head coach of the future and in a good head coach in Mike Babcock, you know, personal, um, you know, life aside, he's still a, a good coach and, and, you know, he good at running a team. Teams. Exactly. And you're in a point now where, okay, within a span of, you know, two days, the story kind of came out and he's, he's gone. So now right before training camp, you're bringing in a, 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 another guy to take um, take the reins for them. And now you've, you've potentially got these leadership issues in the locker room. It's just like just when things were slowly starting to turn for them, they've taken a couple steps back now. And so it's going to be interesting to see, um, especially throughout, you know, just training camp and then early on in the season, how they come out and, you know, what kind of identity do we end up seeing from this team? Because the whole identity that they had and were on is completely going to have to be changed now as a team, just based on a span of, you know, three, three days or so. Yeah, it's, uh, I really hope that they can pull things together and make things work. I really hope that it doesn't cause too much rift in the locker room, but you, you never know where people's heads at. We're not in there, you know? Um, and you know what, uh, like I said, I'm not a huge fan, but, uh, good for biz nasty for, you know, getting these reports and not just, not just being a hockey guy, not being a, not being a boys club guy and actually bringing it out and saying, Hey, he's doing messed up stuff. Let's, let's get somebody on that. So it's, it's good that they caught that, you know, before the season started and, you know, the, the mind games really began with Babcock in that locker room. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, I don't really have much more to say on it. It's, it's kind of, you know, no, I think um, we covered it. it's an unfortunate situation. Yeah, it is, you know, over and done with now. Um, so, you know, the blue jackets can move forward in whatever direction they can. And that's, um, you know, that's, that's really all there is to it now at this point. Yeah. Um, Moving on, we got, uh, uh, as far as I can remember, only two, uh, but we got two new captains in the league from our last yep. episode. Uh, the two captains that squared off, well, not they weren't captains at the time, but they were on the teams when Boston and St. Louis went uh, head-to-head in the cup final a couple years ago. Yeah, they, uh, the Bruins named Brad Marchand their captain, and the Blues named Braden Shen their captain. How crazy is that to think that? Well, what was it? Twenty? Was it eighteen or nineteen? They were in the Cup Finals against each other. Uh, I believe nineteen. Yeah, yeah, would have, yeah, would have, yeah, nineteen. Yeah, that's crazy to think now. So what? Four years ahead, they're now on their third captain since then. Like both of them, you know, St. Louis yeah. went from Petrangelo to O'Reilly, now to Shen, and then Boston's gone from uh, Chara to. Bergeron to Marshan. Um, yeah, which is wild because not only are they on the both on the third one in that time frame, but those second ones for both teams were like pretty, pretty loved by the fans. You know, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly and, one centers. and especially Patrice Bergeron. You know, they play the similar games. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little little different times for for these two teams now, but what are your initial thoughts on, on these two um, choices? Uh, 
I've seen nothing but happiness from uh, Blues fans and fans all of the NHL over Braden Shen being the captain. Um, I'm not incredibly familiar with his game, but he it sounds like he's just a heart and soul guy that'll go in and fight for any one of his guys. And it just sounds like he's just incredible in the locker room. On he really is. Yeah, he is. And yeah, I've, I've seen nothing but people happy for it and happy for him. So as far as I can see, it's a great pick. Yeah, I think that's a good pick for the Blues. I also personally believe it was really kind of the only um, option they really had that made sense. Yeah. But but nonetheless, like it, it's still a phenomenal um, pick to have Shen, you know, lead your team um, through what's probably going to be a couple years of, of struggling. Um, but nonetheless, it is. Unless a great you have choice. them making the playoffs this year. Yeah, like you do, <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how um, badly that ages. And then, and then even Marshan, I think, is a, a great pick. Again, it's one of those tough ones for Boston because, you know, Chara held it for so long. So then by the time Bergeron got it, he only got, you know, a short um, I think he got tenure with years. it. And then right. now Bergeron's gone, Marshan gets it, but Marshan's 35. So, you know, how long does Marshan have it? You know, it's uh, yeah, it's just I, tough for guys like that, that that could have gotten it way earlier. And it's just, you know, they, they kind of had to go through and, and wait their turn in line. But nonetheless, I think it's a great pick for the Bruins as well. Yeah, I think I think they have in mind that they know it's not going to be Marshan for too long. Um, I do wonder if it's going to go to Pasternak or if it's going to go to McAvoy. After that, I would imagine it's one of those two. My guess, it's probably going to be McAvoy. I I would think that's the better pick. Uh, yeah. On my fairly surface knowledge of the personalities there. Um, Pasternak seems like one of those guys that uh, would just be happy having an A for the majority of his career. He's, he reminds me a lot of like a Artemi Panarin. Yeah. You know, Nine times out of ten, he's going to be the best player on the ice for your team. Um, but he, I, I just don't think it's one of those things he nests again, kind of like Pedersen. I just don't think he necessarily cares about it. Um, you know, Panarin to Pasternak, they just kind of got that like goofball energy almost, which you know, we, we don't see guys like that getting the C very often. You know, they want someone that's a little more, um, just kind of composed, hard nosed, and um, yeah. They have to kind be very composed a lot of the time, which is funny that we're saying that, given that Marshan got Talking it. Talking about Marshan, exactly. But, but like, you, you can't have a guy who's too free spirit with it, but you also can't have a guy who's too aggressive with it. You know, uh, some other guys like, you know, Dreisaitl, Kucherov, Malkin. I feel like uh, a lot of these guys are guys that are happy being career guys to have an assistant captaincy and never really care about the C. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they just... So it just doesn't mesh, mesh with everyone's personalities, and it doesn't have to. Yeah, but... Yeah, I think it's it's great choices by both teams. Um, I'm excited to see how, how each team does next season with these guys leading the team. You know, we've seen it in the past where uh, certain guys as captain, you know, just it doesn't mesh well. Um, they don't get the most out of the team so it's just gonna be interesting to see what what can happen with these guys kind of taking over that locker room and uh, leading the way for the boys 
I really want to know what some of the refs think around the league. If any of them are like, oh, great, I have to talk to Marsh and whenever whenever something goes on with the Bruins this year. I I honestly believe they all are probably like, you know what? He deserves it. I think as much shit as Marshamp puts the refs through and whatnot, I bet at the end of the games, the refs, you know, when they're all back in in their locker room or whatever, I bet they're like, man, you know, that Marshamp guy just, he goes 110% all the time. And I think they do have a lot of, you know, I bet like someone probably get pissed off from time to time with uh, whether he's licking guys or kissing them or, or talking back to the ref. But I, they have such a tremendous respect for him. I'd be shocked if if there was one ref that that didn't have just a crazy amount of respect for Marshan. Yeah, it uh, it's one of those things that I feel like it would uh, never come up in the regular season. But maybe if it's like the same ref doing like all seven games of a playoff series, you know, maybe around game five or six, he's like, I'm really talking to this guy about his own penalty again. You yeah, know? exactly. You know, if you're if you're like, dealing with them. A bunch of times in a row maybe but uh i i i'd be interested to know if there's any uh refs who feel differently than yeah just having that respect for him but, yeah exactly um, um, other than that, we uh don't yeah. have much else to talk about other than the uh stamco's contract talks i guess yeah i'll let you kind of take the helm for that because obviously you know way more about Tampa Bay's situation and Stamco's situation, and whatnot. So you probably got a lot more more insight on this. Yeah, it uh, pretty much uh, all started uh, yesterday. Uh, I think it all started coming out. Uh, not to date us too much, but they uh, basically Stamco's came out and said that he was, uh, you know, he was uh, a little upset. I don't even know if he said upset or, or if it was just disappointment that uh there's basically been zero extension contracts uh uh contract extension talks with him in the off season here and uh i i think i saw it floating around on a youtube thumbnail i don't know if it was an actual quote but i know there was uh uh you know one of those big clickbaity things with stamkos's face and the quote beside it that said uh, uh i can't i can't write myself a contract and it it does sound like that's how he's feeling. And yeah, uh, pretty quick after he he posted that, you know, whether he said an interview, or posted a tweet, um, it was like three hours after that went public that Breezebaugh, uh, Julie Breezebaugh, the GM for the Lightning, came out and had this big, uh, big post on uh, on X on uh, old Twitter, and it it was a lot of just. Uh, talking in circles a bit and being like, you know, Stamkos is great. He's one of the best captains and he's an incredible player, but we don't know what our cap situation is going to be like. And we want to know what it's going to be like before we resign him. So it sounds like Breezeball wants to wait until the next off season to start doing that. And uh, I, as a lightning fan, I really hope that's not the case. Um, There was a lot of people debating online the other day, uh, talking about it, you know, being like, you know, is he right to do this or not? And there was a lot of Tampa fans saying, you know what, just freaking resign him. Even if the contract ages badly, we don't care. And it was really interesting because there was so many fans, like there was a lot of Pittsburgh fans being like, I agree with this. If 
I don't care if we're garbage for the next five years because Crosby's contract is a boat anchor. We want Crosby to retire a penguin. And it's funny because, you know, the penguins also have many cups recently. And so they kind of are in a, a similar thinking situation. But then there's a lot of like Toronto fans that were like, man, if Austin Matthews was a boat anchor contract, I would want him to. Well, that's that's even the way I felt with. Oh, with uh, Joe Thornton. No, with um, with well, kind of Joe Thornton, but more so it was a uh, um, Joe Pavelski. Um, right. Well, you know when it was talks between, and his was even more reasonable because I think it was only I think seven mil or something like that, and he wanted three years, and the Sharks weren't willing to budge on two. And so it came down to a one-year difference. He ended up walking, and he's gone on to just be phenomenal with Dallas. And I think that was a big part of San Jose's downfall was losing a guy like Pavelski. Yeah, well, especially for nothing. Yeah, and I don't think his, his, like, especially now when we've seen him, you know, re-up with Dallas on just incredible deals. Looking back, it's like it wouldn't have even been a, an anchor for the sharks or anything no because he's great value for those three years fighting against age and winning like yeah it's so funny that one year was the difference on a guy like joe pavelski's contract meanwhile he's been like the best aging player and that i can think of in recent memory maybe only other than bergeron he gets like, better with age like it's crazy yeah but yeah um yeah, it was interesting though. Yeah, because Stamkos said he wanted to have his contract done uh, before training camp, and then he was still even asked. Now, you know, is it now going to be something uh, you 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 think about during the season, or or do you visit it in the off season? And he said he was ready to to get talking whenever he's yeah. always ready. Yeah, it sounds like he's ready to go. And uh, you know, I was as soon as I heard that uh, Stamkos's comments, I was like, you know what? Hagel's contract just got signed. Let's let's give Breezebaugh a second, and then I'm sure it'll get done. But uh, no, apparently he wants to wait till next offseason. At least that's very much what it sounded like in his uh, comments. So uh, and, and I don't hopefully he changes why... his mind, or maybe... I, I wonder if he thinks that he just wants to know exactly how much the cap is going to go up this next offseason and offer it from there. I don't know if he's hoping Stamkos maybe takes a, step, a small step back or like his production drops so that I think he that's can get what him on a cheaper for. deal. I don't know. But uh, but he but the thing is, is, is he, he hasn't even talked to Stamkos yet to just be yeah. like, you know, what are you kind of thinking? Because for all we know, Stamkos could be like... Stamkos I'm, could be sitting there giving him a, a freebie. He could be like, yeah, sign me for two mil for two years. I was going to say like even something, maybe like a, a four by four or something. But yeah. it's like... Breezebaugh doesn't even know what he's maybe working with because Stamkos could go out and easily drop 50 goals and 100 points. And now it's like he could be like, you know what? I want to stay at whatever he's, what is he making right now? Eight mil? He could be like, I want to stay at, he could say, I want to stay at 8.5 for say three years. You know, so Breezebaugh could, you know, he, it doesn't hurt to even just check in and be like, what are you kind of thinking for, um, for a contract? So. And you know what? As things are right now, if he announced right now three years, eight point five mil, I'd be over the moon with that. Like he dude took yeah. such a discount to stay with us back in free when he signed this contract that is now expiring. 
at the end of the season. And like that, him signing so cheap was so core to us winning those two cups. He signed yeah. for like two to three million less than what was reportedly being offered out there by like the Maple Leafs and other teams. And he chose to take a discount and stay with us. And because of that, Edmund took a discount. He still got two years left at 7.875. We've had Edmund yeah. on a steal of a contract for years. Thank, uh, very much in thanks to Stamkos's discount. And because of that, we've got guys like Vasilevsky, Kucherov, Point. None of them are making 10 mil or more. Like, I, I think he really was the first guy to get the dominoes falling for us to build such an incredible team other than yeah. obviously the great drafting. And if, if we keep him at the same value, hell he just arguably his last two years are two of his best years he's ever had. Like two years ago when he put up, he put up, I think 42 goals and 106 points. That's arguably better than his 60 goal a year. Like it's at least yeah. in, in the conversation. So He's definitely still worth 8.5 as it is right now. So I uh, I trust Brisebois, but uh, I tell you what, I, I said that after the uh, Tanner Genot trade, and I very genuinely meant it. Um, I'm saying it with a little hesitancy <laughs> now, because my God, like we, nobody wants to lose Stamkos. Yeah, like, again, suck. especially for nothing, right? Like, yeah. I'll franchise leader in uh, points, in goals. Uh, it, he's, he's, I don't know if he's games played, but if not, he's close, and he'd make it this season. Well, and let's be real. Like, let's, if, if Stamkos is gone, like if a deal doesn't get done and he walks, there's a very good chance he goes to Toronto next year. Oh, yeah. And... and so now if you're Tampa Bay, not only do you just lose, you know, your your leader of the last, you know, decade, your your franchise leader and probably like damn near everything. Also yeah. now it's like now he's on our, you know, what's quickly becoming one of Tampa's biggest rivals in Toronto. So it's like you know, they, they gotta figure something out. Because again, you know, Sergachev um I think he said in a comment or something before training camp, he said anything um, short of the of winning the cup this year is failure for, is a failure for us or something like that. So Tampa Bay yeah. is clearly all in on winning. So you're not going to trade Stamkos at the deadline or anything. You're going to keep him, you know, for the entire season um, if you're going for it. So, but then again, then that's yeah. when you run into the risk of losing him. So it's just like, you, you got to get something figured out. Like, Talks got to at least start at some point coming up soon to go all season. Um, you know, well, I mean, even I, I get kind of, you know, different situations, whatnot, but even look at Goudreau with Calgary. He was open to signing and whatnot. Yeah. And then he was never really offered a contract and talks never picked back up. So he was felt like he wasn't wanted there. Yeah. And so I hope, I hope that's not come with Tampa Bay. I'd be shocked if you know they go the whole season and, and there's no talks or or they're getting close to anything yeah i i wonder if he's just uh, if he's so confident because he he came off as very confident that something would get done next off season and he would come back yeah. but the that's 
that's quite a gamble to take, even though if he really thinks it's going to happen, like what's, what's the win condition for that? You know, does he think that, uh, you know, if Alex Barre Boulay comes up from the minors and does really well with us and, uh, what does he think he's going to sign him to a big deal? And then, yeah. And then Stamkos is gone. Like, is that, if that's the best case scenario he's thinking of, then, uh, and, and even this, though, like to anybody who, because I know there's obviously going to be people out there. It's like, oh, Stamkos isn't the type of guy to, you know, leave Tampa and go to the rival in Toronto. But like, think of it this way. At the end of the season, Stamkos is going to be 34. So he's, you know, if he re-ups with Tampa again, he's really not going to ever have an opportunity to play for, for Toronto. So does he almost kind of look at it like... You know, if Tampa Bay doesn't want me, if Toronto, you know, say they make the, the Eastern final this year or something, and then he's sitting there like, I could go there and whatever. They probably, like, he could probably sign like a, a five million three year deal there, assuming that Nylander might be gone and uh, Domi, Bertuzzi, et cetera. But he could be looking at like, I, I could be the last piece of the puzzle to finally go there. And. I could be that final piece to get a, get a cup for Toronto. So kind of similar to what, Tavares thought he was doing but realistically like if you've got Marner Matthews maybe Nylander if they find a way to keep him Tavares and Stamkos like fuck yeah like it becomes more enticing yeah so it becomes more enticing for him the the longer the season goes on and uh, because I think Toronto like Toronto realistically could finish top of uh uh, the Eastern Conference you know goaltending is is a big thing for them but aside from that yeah so it it like if Toronto's just doing good, it keeps becoming more and more enticing for Stamkos as the season goes on. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that uh, maybe he's thinking of making a big move in the, at the deadline, and maybe he's worried that he'll pick up a guy that's really good but expensive and on a two year deal or something. So I'm hoping that you know if that doesn't happen, that like right after the trade deadline, he's like, "All right, let's let's get something signed." Then, if uh, the trade didn't happen, let's go for it. But uh, yeah, okay, I've got uh, I've got a hypothetical here for his, you. close to his chest. I'm gonna make your brain hurt here. Um, oh, no, let me just find it here. Just kind of see what I'm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just gonna list off some players that play for Tampa. And you're going to tell me whether or not you would move them if it meant that they could re-sign Stamkos. Because they assume, you know, the cap doesn't go up or something. And then they, to re-sign Stamkos, they've got to move somebody out. Um, okay. So the, so the us, assuming we're not talking about, you know, no trade clauses, like none of that. Um, yeah. So it's basically just you only get to keep one of these players, Stamkos or whoever. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm not gonna include I'm not gonna do Kucherov or Point because I know in Tampa Bay right now they would 100 percent pick those guys over Stamkos. So that's just kind of unrealistic. Yeah. Um, Anthony Sorelli, which is a weird one because his eight year deal just started, but he's also got just no started. no movement clause, no trade clauses, nothing. So they could move him at any point. That one is uh, rough. Stamkos obviously has a higher ceiling, uh, even right now at his age. Um, if we're looking to be hyper-competitive right now, 
I think I think it's better to keep Stamkos. I, obviously, it's a lot better for the team long term to keep Sorelli. But uh, to win right now, keeping Stamkos is better. And so, you know, it's kind of a now versus later thing, which uh, kind of t- is a bit of a tie for me. But uh, the tiebreaker is uh, if Stamkos stays, he's getting a statue outside Amelie. So, okay, I, I'd have to go with keeping Stammer. Nick Paul. Uh definitely Stammer. Uh yeah, Nick I Paul figured with that one. Nick Paul's Nick Paul's really good and he's really fun to watch play, but uh it's uh it's not much of a comparison there. Yeah. I'm not gonna do Haggle because again, his I mean his his eight year extension hasn't even kicked in yet, so and they signed him prior to Stamco, so there's no way they'd move him. Yeah. Um that one's even he's... closer than Sorelli though, I think personally these are these are kind of the three that i'm 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 most curious about um so victor hedman i i think i think you'd uh i think you have to keep is this what is this what i want or is this what i think the team would do what you want like if you had to pick if they asked you and we're like you make the decision for us type of thing God, that is. That I think is you have to keep tough. Hedman. Yeah, Hedman definitely makes the team better in more ways, and it's way easier to find a Stamkos replacement, I think, than it is to find a Hedman replacement. Ad- absolutely, there's not a lot, but there's a couple Stamkoses around the league that you could reasonably get. You're not finding a Hedman replacement. Yeah, no. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev. It's a very similar conversation to Hedman. Uh, a lot closer, especially after last year. Hedman took a bit of a step back. Sergachev took a pretty big step forward. Um, I, I think I'd have to go Sergachev. I, yeah, I agree. I think he's that good. And then lastly, Eric Chernak. I, I, I would probably, you, I think you got I would probably stand. Chernak. I think I would probably go Stamkos on that only because of the structure of the team right now that uh, Chernak is most most of the time playing on the third defensive pair, even though they kind oh, of shit, roll all he? three lines, only because there's already Sergachev and Hedman above Oh, him. I guess they're all lefties. No, because Chernak's a righty. Chernak's on the right, but they like to, they like to split them oh, up. Oh, space them out, yeah. Because realistically, we have three really good defense and then three guys that we're kind of slotting in that are good enough, but like they're definitely not top-tier players. And so we've kind of got, you know, Chernak, Sergachev, and Hedman each anchoring one of the players. And then, you know... You know, Calvin yeah, Dahan, Nick right. Perbix, Darren Radish, Bogosian. None of those Bogo. guys are going to... You don't want any of those four guys to be the best guy on their pair. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, that was my, my fun little game. We, woo, woo, woo. Um, any, anything more you want to add on for the, the Stammer situation? or? Um, only that I just brought up uh, the stats here and... Uh, Stamkos is at 1,003 games played, uh, just 34 behind Vinny LeCavalier at uh, 1,037 all-time lead in games played. So he'll pass that. He's already the franchise leader by over 120 in goals. 
he is what is that 43 behind St. Louis for all time in assists. St. Louis at 588, Stammer's at 541. And then Stammer already leads all time in points. So that's that's pretty rough to just l- let walk, right? Like it'd be yeah. rough to trade as well, but like that's it it, it yeah. feel like I don't want to sound like one of those entitled guys, but like it it feels like the fans deserve to see Stamkos play here his entire career. Yeah, I I completely agree, especially after how the St. Louis thing ended. Like it would suck to see you know St. Louis soured on us a bit at the end, and we've since they've since made up with the org, but it kind of was left weird for a long time. And uh, if we had a similar situation with Stamkos, it would really be like fuck, when are we going to have our superstar just be here and fucking just play it out and we all have a good time, you know? Yeah, exactly. And not only that, Tampa really didn't get, uh, you know, like some teams where when a guy has been there for almost his whole career and then leaves and then, you know, maybe comes back at the end for one season or something. Um, Or maybe I just got lucky with that with Patrick Marlowe and San Jose, but... You, we, we, they never even got that with with St. Louis either. It was um, no, you know, just kind of a clean cut break, and often that like it was that that was it. So hopefully we don't see that happen with Stamkos. Yeah, they didn't really kind of make nice until after a couple of years after I believe St. Louis retired. Yeah, so it took a while. It did. Um, yeah, it, did it did take a while. Since I have it open, I'm just uh, I'm just going to throw this at you because uh, it's just jumping out at me a little bit. Um, I'm going to give you, can I find a third one? Not that's interesting. I'm going to give you two. Uh, where on all time points, uh, leaders for Tampa Bay, what number do you think Mikhail Sergachev and Anthony Sorelli are? For all time points? All time points. Um, ooh, how many guesses do I get? Give me three. Uh yeah, yeah. I can get take, three take, wrong. Take, yeah. Cat. Um I'm just trying to think. Sorelli must have more points than Sergachev. I don't know. Definitely a possibility. It's like fuck Sergachev popped off last year. And he's been around, I think, longer. So maybe Sergachev is higher. Um, I'm going to go into the league really young. I'm pretty yeah. sure he played like the first, the first year he was eligible in uh, oh, for okay. Montreal, and then like immediately came over and played for Tampa in uh, at least like 50 games or something. Sergachev, I'm going to say, I feel like that. I don't know if that's high or not. 14. That is higher than where he is. It is higher. You got you got two left. Am I am I warm at least? You're warm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with Sorelli at twenty. He is uh uh very close to that. That was a very good guess. Is that higher or lower? Uh, Sorelli is lower. Sorelli's lower than twenty. Yeah. Okay. So then my final guess, because I can only get one wrong, so I'm just going to throw both out at once. Yeah. I'm going to do 
Sergachev at 15 and Sorelli at 22. You were really close. Sergachev is 17th overall 17th. already. 17th. And Sorelli so is what, 21. So 24. Oh, 21. Damn. So I almost got... Okay. Wow. Sergachev has exactly 50 more points than Sorelli, uh, if my math isn't bad. Uh, Sorelli's at 188. Sergachev's at 238. Yeah, the more I started to think about it, I was like, you know what, they're probably actually a little bit further apart than, than you'd think. Just, yeah, because Serge has been around a lot longer. And what do you have last year? Like 65 points or something? I don't I think, think Sorelli's think ever had, sniffed that. He got pretty close to 70. Um, yeah, Sorelli's yeah. never even sniffed 60, I don't think. Uh, I don't think so. I think he might have a 50-point 50, 50 season. Oh, that's His Scott highest is, 40, is 44. 44. Yeah, so yeah. In 68 games played. That's pretty That's pretty good, though, for I them I was already. wondering. I was going to say, he's never one of those guys that's out for a long time, but it feels like he always gets a couple small injuries. Doesn't yeah. He uh, hasn't played 82 games in a season since 1819. So where does Kucherov, Point, and Hedman land on there? Sergachev, also, I just want to throw in, Sergachev has 437 games played already. Dude, is, dude's born the same year as me. That is nuts. Uh, sorry, what were, what were the names? Kucherov, uh, Edmund, and Point? Yeah. They all, I mean, uh, they all got to be in the top 10. Yep. Point Maybe is, top five. <laughs> uh, point isn't. Kucherov is fourth with 729, and Hedman is fifth with 652. So then it's Stamkos, Lecavi, and St. Louis above them. Yeah. yeah. And then... Uh, good company point, to be in with. Point is eighth with 463, but he's only three points behind Alex Killorn, who just got traded, or just got uh, signed by the Ducks in free agency, rather. So Yeah, he's almost caught he's killer gonna, already. He could, he could pass him after the first game if he really pops off. <laughs> Realistically could. And uh, he's only 20... 20 some points back from Brad Richards. So he could be right behind Hedman, uh, yeah. couple, you know, 20, 30 games into the season. Yeah. Um, so just kind of wrapping up the last of our talking points, because I, I know you had something you wanted to, to do at the end, but just the last one. Um, so it. in the last episode, we talked about, we, we were talking, we, we talked quite a bit about Anaheim. And one of the topics was uh, Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegras both don't have contracts yet. And, you know, training camps have started for teams now, and Zegras is still without a contract. There has been reports about what the Anaheim Ducks are offering him. Has there been any reports on what he's asking? I have not. I haven't seen any of this. No. So there's, there's nothing said about term of the deal yet, but apparently the Anaheim Ducks are only offering Zegras in the $3 million to $4 million range. Which leads me to believe it's probably like a bridge deal they're looking at. Well, it has to like be. No one's, insane. At like a, no one's insane enough to be like, hey, Trevor Zegras, I know you were just on the cover of the NHL game, but signed here for eight years at five mil. Like, there's no way. There's no way they're doing that in that dirty. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because it's you know, it sounds like that's obviously not going to cut it at all, which I don't know is then because, yeah, we don't know anything about what 
Zegris want, but so it's like, you know, Zegris wanting a bridge deal still in the the seven or eight million dollar range, or is he wanting a long term deal? So, it, but it, it sounds like contract talks aren't uh, aren't doing the greatest. Um, but just something that that's interesting here um, that I found is so this is like a, a breakdown of kind of like um, the big stars so far in the league from the 2019 draft, and it's just kind of a comparison um, between contracts for these these players. Okay, so Jack Hughes in his um, first and second year in the league, he played 105 games. In right. total, he had 87 points. Just under, He's, just under a point per game. Yeah, so he signed an $8 million deal. Yeah, great contract, D- looks like right now. Yeah, Dylan Cousins in his first and second year played 120 games, so 15 more than Hughes. He put up 51 points, so quite a bit lower than Hughes. He signed for 7.1. And these, these are all um, long-term deals, like seven or eight years. Seven or eight, yeah. So, I mean, he played more games than Hughes, di- didn't put up as many points. He signed a 7.1. Matthew Boldy, in his first and second year, he only played 47 games, but he put up 39 points. So it's the exact same um, points per game as Jack Hughes. Yeah. He signed a $7 million deal per year. And then the last one, uh, Zegers' buddy, he played 77 games uh, in his first and second year. 48 points. He signed $7.9 million. And then Sorry, lastly, was that? Uh, Cole Caulfield. Oh, Cole Caulfield, right. And then Trevor Zegers. So he's played in years one and two 156 games so that's 36 more than the next closest guy dylan cousins mm-hmm. 126 points so that's uh what, what is that 39 about 40 more points than um than jack hughes and he's only being offered 3.5 so he's in the area right now looking just at these numbers here to be in the I mean, it's tough to say, I guess, because these guys signed their contracts really before they even popped off further. But yeah. like Zegers is in it. Like, it's not crazy for him to ask eight and a half to nine mil if he wants to sign a long term deal. Yeah, I was I was expecting a an eight to nine, like anywhere from eight to ten. What depending on what he and what the team want, really, ten would be a bit steep, obviously, for, a, a, you know, a younger guy. But yeah, I don't think he gets up into the double digits. I think the very highest is probably nine and a half. Just yeah. because the Ducks still do have to look at the situation of, okay, we still got to sign Drysdale. We've still got McTavish's contract that's going to be up soon. We still got to think about um, Leo Carlson in, in Carlson three years, in assuming years. he assuming he plays this year, if not four years. But So those are all still things they have to consider. So I think the max they want to cap out at is is nine and a half if it's a long-term deal. But I also see why they're doing a bridge deal because then they know what they're working with when you got to sign. Like, assuming Drysdale is also is only going to be a bridge. And then you you can work on figuring out getting, you know, Zegris, McTavish, Carlson, and Drysdale, kind of your your big core for the future, kind of all signed around like at the same time. And then you know 
you've got that core from you know their early mid 20s locked in for seven or eight years and that's that's what you're running with type of thing yeah yeah i uh well what about zegris do they what what about zegris says that he's not going to be a star in this league like well, I, don't know why, I don't know why they don't just say, please take eight point eight times eight, you know? Yeah. Like, and I bet like, he would why are you that. trying? Yeah. Like, well, I don't know why they're trying to try to either extremely lowball him or bridge him. I don't, I don't know why you would be trying to bridge a player like this. It's like, you know, it's very similar to Matthew Kachuk. Like, I, I don't know that the signs are all there that he's going to be great. Just sign the freaking dude long-term. I don't know. I, it, in the recent years, it feels like more and more teams are hitting it out of the park, signing some of these young studs, uh, long term, and very yeah. few of them are missing. So I don't know why. And all the all the times that guys are signing these bridge deals, they're either the uh, the guy ends up walking later, or they're, uh, jacking up their price, and then you know they're asking for a lot more money. So I'm not sure what the motivation for that really would be, but yeah, yeah I and, don't know. And I'm assuming something's going to get done at some point soon here, just because I don't think, well, maybe the Ducks do want to roll in the season without him if, if they're planning on tanking again. Um, but yeah, you like, you, you got to find a way to get him signed. Uh, it hasn't like, there's nothing saying that he's going to be traded or anything. But there is reports saying that if, you know, ties have been severed and contract talks get messy, um, to keep an out for Buffalo to sniff around, um, potentially making a move for Zegris if he becomes available. Rick, that would be a... Man, they got a lot of young talent. If they got Zegris, that would be a nasty-looking team. How fun would it be to watch uh, Zegris and Tage Thompson on the same line? One of the slides over the wing. That would be incredible. But so it, it, it's it's an interesting development, that situation where, you know, we thought it was going to be maybe a little bit, um, you know, easier for them to figure something out. But it, it's kind of looking like probably they're apart. I think maybe Zegers just wants to lock in long term, get that payday. Uh, the Ducks want to do a bridge deal for understandable reasons. But if you're the Ducks at the end of the day, like, you know, Zegers kind of holds the cards, um, assuming he's okay with sitting out for an entire year or something. Um, but like, I think the ducks got to give him what he wants. You know, if that's kind of your, your big future guy, you've, you've got to, you, you've got to sign him in at the end of the day. You can't wait around with it. Yeah. I, yeah, God, I really don't know what they're, what they're thinking there. Like you got a great guy and he hasn't, he hasn't popped off yet. Like Jack Hughes did last year sign him before he puts up freaking 95 points next year and is saying hey give me 11 million or i walk you know like yeah exactly right just lock the dude in and you know he's only going to produce more as better talent gets around like if mctavish takes that next step their team isn't gonna their team's not getting any worse exactly and he's only gonna get better like everything's getting better around him including himself his Point totals yeah. and goals are only going up. So yeah. this is the cheapest you're going to get him. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
but aside from that, that was kind of the last, I think, of our main talking points before the NHL season, or preseason at least, gets underway tomorrow. Uh, but I know you did have something that you wanted to um, to do at the end here. Yeah, I've got... Uh... I've got uh, a couple of uh, little uh, quick trivia things for you. We can uh, just go through them fairly quick. You know, this one I think has, yeah, it's got got uh, eight, eight different uh, things. It's uh, most wins by a goalie in each decade in the NHL. Um, I think we did that one, didn't we? Uh, we did most, I think you asked me most points or most goals. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one was on Bar Down's Instagram, although it was it was like back in July or something. So uh, if you have oh, seen okay. it, I figure you've probably forgotten about it or maybe you haven't seen it. No, um, no, I just saw the one of the. Um... Yeah, the, yeah, the whatever the points one we did or yeah. Um, yeah, so I've got that and then I've got a question that uh, we can end it off on. Okay. Just, uh, just a bit of a thinker at the end. Okay. Um, so this goes from uh, the 2020s, uh, the last three years, all the way back to the 1950s. Do you want to go recent to old or old to recent? Um, let's go old to recent. Yeah, I think I think I prefer that way as well. Um, we we don't need to spend too much time on each one, but. Uh, I'll give you a, if, if you want to rattle them off fairly quick, uh, we'll give you up to five guesses for each one. Because it is okay. yeah, for over 10 years. So we'll start with the 1950s winningest goalie, 307 wins. 307 wins. In the 50s? Yeah. Um... I don't know, maybe, maybe like a Terry Sawchuck or something. Like it is Terry goal. Sawchuck. I was going to say, that's like the only goal I could really think of from that. Yep. From that timeline. Nicely done. Red Wings legend. Yeah. All right. 1960s. 253 wins. About 50 less than Sawchuck had. Ooh. 60s. I don't really know many goalies in the 60s. I probably would have got Sawchuck, I like to think. I don't know if I would have got this one. Um, I like maybe a Ken Dryden. It is I don't even know if he played in the 60s. Okay. Um give me one more guess. One more guess. Yeah. Um can he do it? I I I don't really know many from the sixties though. It's it's a long time ago. I imagine it'll be a lot easier to make guesses in the eighties and forward. But do you know what at least what team he played on? Yes. Uh at least in the picture they got here. Uh, I'll tell you, in the picture, he's wearing a Chicago Blackhawks jersey. Black and Hawks then on his, 
when you Google him, he comes up wearing a St. Louis Blues jersey. Huh. Um. Was I'm he fifties or six? Is it Glenn, Glenn Hall? It is Glenn Hall. Oh, so he was sixties. Yep. Okay. Oh, well, well, there we go. Nicely done. Those kind Nin- of now. Now I'm kind of scraping where I don't know for the seventies. Nineteen seventies. Three hundred and eight wins. One more than Sawchuck had in the fifties. Three oh eight. Um. This this yeah, is I'm, this is a name. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go back to the well then, because um, he wasn't one of the other ones. Is it Ken Dryden? No. No. Okay. He's not Dryden. Not on the list. Um. Oh, it'd probably be uh, um. What's his name? Oh, what's his name? <laughs> we're going back. To, we're going back to Chicago again. Um. Uh, Tony Esposito. It is Tony Esposito. Yeah, he's crushing it in the old in the old old decades as well, no less. All right, I would say this one's the hardest. Nineteen eighties. Nineteen eighties. Um, two hundred fifty-one wins. That's the second lowest total on the board. The lowest, of course, being 2020s, because that's only three years worth of games. Okay. Um, 80s? I'll tell you, I knew every name on this list except for this guy when I first saw it. Yeah, I'm kind of... uh... I, I did not know this name beforehand. The only guy I can really think of is um, Ed Belfort, but I think he was came in like really late in the eighties. That's really I don't know. Is it? Is it? Yeah, no, it's no. not. Um, I I don't even I can't even think of anyone else really. It wouldn't be no. Patrick Waugh. No. Well, I actually, I don't. Know, maybe it could be. Is it? It it is not. Okay. Thought maybe if it was a lower amount of wins, maybe, but yeah. uh, I I got no idea. It is Mike Lewitt. L I U T. Mike Lute. Yeah, <laughs> Mike Lute. <laughs> yeah, I... uh, it's got a picture of him playing on the on the Blues. I. Uh, yeah, I, I I'll definitely be honest, know, I've actually never even heard of him. Yeah, I knew all the other names. I I did not recognize his yeah. when it uh, showed up here. Yeah, so do not recognize that freaking, name at good all. Freaking company to be in. Nineties. Uh, We're gonna That's, get a lot. It's gonna get a lot easier reminds, here. That guy probably just gets talked about. Like he's like that kid in school when you're doing a group project, and his name's just on there, but he contributed like nothing. Because yeah. I don't think he like. To lead an entire decade in wins, and I've decade never wins. heard of him, is the decade Gretzky played pretty impressive. Yeah, it is prime. Like, 
So we're at the 1990s now? Yep. Should, should get a lot easier from here. Yeah, this one will be uh, Patrick Waugh then. Yep, it is Patty Waugh. Yeah. 309 wins, which is not the most on the board. What is the most so far? Well, because I know which one's probably the most on the board. Yeah. 2000s. Martin Broder. Martin Broder at the most wins yeah. on the board, 361. Yeah. You... Not even close. That's like two full seasons more than anyone else on the board. Yeah, he's... he was All just right. a different different animal. Yeah. Played like 78 games a season. Like, he just played all the time. That's why I think that record might honestly like just never get broken. I or think, maybe it just as games played. I think it might if they ever just like if if a goalie the a goalie the the caliber of a you know a Sorokin or a Vassy is just like coach. I want to be the best. Pick up some guy on league min and it, uh, it he's gonna he's gonna only play Vassie. if yeah. Like, like not Sorokin, just because Sorokin came in a little bit too late. Yeah, but like, just like I, I if he wanted to pass all time games played, he'd just have to be a guy who's like, coach, I'm playing every game, and he just has yeah. to be the superstar goalie that where the coach is just like, you're the boss. Like, yeah, that's the only way I could see it happening. But uh, uh, anyway. 2010s got some options here at least a lot more a lot more reasonable options you know a lot more recent too so I'm, I'm kind of well i've got a couple guys in my head i'm just gonna do process of elimination all right so uh, i'm gonna give you five guesses oh five oh, i don't I, oh, that's I, I, is that too many I'm, I'm, yeah i was gonna say i'm only thinking between four guys <laughs> Oh, okay. I just, I started thinking and I was like, fuck, there's a lot of good goalies, but some of them obviously didn't play for as good of teams. Yeah, oh, and exactly. That's why I'm like, you know, if I, like, a popular answer would be like, oh, well, Carey Price, but it's like, Montreal failed to put a, you know, a, a phenomenal did, team around them. Did he ever play with a point-per-game player? Like, No, he never did. Like, that, like, it's, it's bad. Yeah, that's um, rough. <laughs> Don't I yeah, it's it's well it's not Jonathan Quick just because the Kings were booty for a couple years. Um I'm gonna need I'm gonna need a I'm gonna need first guess. And I, I get three guesses? Yeah. Okay, I guess it's just now well by my thing I'm I'm down to three, so I'll just uh Mark Andre Fleury. It is Mark Andre Fleury at three twenty two yeah. wins. I was yeah. I, I was between him, um Henrik Lundquist, I think has probably gotta be like pretty close to him. Gotta and be. then Peck and then Pecorine, I know, was up there because he was like he just doesn't get the respect he deserved, but like he was a animal. He was um, one of the guys times. that I was thinking of originally, and then I was like, you know what? I don't know if Nashville won enough games. Yeah, and like Flurry played just so much for the Penguins for years, and then, and then even and going then to Vegas, like he was immediately like, fucking like just playing absurd amounts because he was, you know, their franchise player at the time. So yeah. All right, 
and with 122 wins in 2020 and forward up until the I present. Mean, I would be shocked if it's not Vasilevsky. It is Vasilevsky. Yeah, because if you said it wasn't, I probably honestly wouldn't have got that one. Yeah. So that's like the only guy. I The only other person I would even think to guess really is like, I guess, uh, Hellebuck. Just because... But he, Winnipeg doesn't even played, log that they many don't, wins. They don't win a lot, but like, they have to have like 95% of their wins in the last three years have to have come from when he's playing. Yeah, right? actually, yeah. So they haven't... Yeah. Because they've had pretty bad backups a lot of the times, and they've had, and he's just steals a lot of games for him. Yeah, I don't know when true. it happened, but I feel like Hellebuck started getting a little underrated at some point. Yeah, he 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 doesn't get talked about as much as he should. Yeah, he's always facing at like a thousand more shots than any other goalie per season. Uh, I think between what's the tough game, is between like, the games played and just I guess. Winnipeg lets a lot of shots on net. Well, even just it was right when he like really just finally came into like his prime and whatnot. That's when you had all of a sudden like you see Saros and Thatcher Demko coming in. They're like boom, like you know these young elite goalies, and then Broken and Shosturkin both you know come over from the KHL kind of around the same time. And so it's just like right when Hellebuck hit his peak and was like you know a franchise goalie he'd be number one in the league if it wasn't for Vassy. all these other goalies like all came in at the same time and so kind of you know kind of overshadowed him a bit he still gets a lot of credit and it is well deserved but i don't think he gets as much as he should yeah and man it's really nice that we're getting more goalies coming in and we got a lot more elite goalie talent back in the nhl after a couple of years of uh a lot, a lot of the old guard had retired, and it was really just Vassy and uh, a couple other, you know, if you want to say Hellebuck was elite at that point, and a few others. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, we, got, we got a lot of good goalies, young goalies that are great in the league right now. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you still got guys up and coming, you know, Ottinger's prim primed to, uh, if he puts together a good year all throughout, he could be a Vesna candidate, you know? If Dustin Wolf comes in as gangbusters, like, he looks like he's going to be great. There's there's yeah. a lot of good goalie prospects right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good for the league. You know, it's starting to look at, like, in a situation where it's like, shit, like, you know, all of a sudden you lose, like, Hendrick Lundqvist, um, Braden Holpe, Jonathan Quick kind of... Yeah, Tuka Rask held on a bit a longer than some of yeah. those guys, but like Tuka Rask, Roberto Luongo, even Corey May. Schneider, like it was, yeah, it was like bang, 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 like you know, all those guys. Harry so. Price got kind of permanently LTIR. Yeah. Um, I guess to end it off, I've got uh, I've got just one question for you. Okay. Uh, that is. Uh, I saw a lot of people talking about this online uh, quite a while ago. I wrote down, and uh, it's uh, if you're a player in the NHL, would you rather have three MVP trophies, or would you rather have three Stanley Cups? Three Stanley Cups. Not even a question. So, I think I think this works a lot better if you put it into actual players. So. 
who has won three MVP trophies in like the last 20 years? McDavid. <laughs> McDavid, Crosby, and, and uh, Ovechkin are the only three guys, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So, so, you know, McDavid hasn't won a cup. So let's say, I guess he, it's a little unfair because he's got so many, but, you know. Imagine like o just Ovechkin being Crosby. <laughs> if, he's got both. Yeah, right. So if, say, Ovechkin doesn't win the cup in 2018 with the Caps, and Heart he goes rate. down as one of the best kit players to ever play, uh, but never win a cup. Would you rather have that career or three Stanley Cups, no individual hardware? Would you rather be Pat Maroon? Okay, but that, that's, that's apples to oranges, man. Because, like, always but, lighting the league up year after year. Pat Maroon's playing seven minutes and sucking down hot dogs in between periods. But that's, that's kind of the question, you know? Are, would you rather be a depth player and uh, win three guess, cups? Yeah, or would you I be... Guess. Do you want to be top dog? But I mean, I would never still gets be a, over the hump. I would still be a Pat Maroon, a good heart and soul guy, and pro provides energy in the locker room and whatnot. Like, yeah, I think I think it's a lot of people knee jerk are like three Stanley Cups. Come on, but uh, yeah, the more you think about it, a bit I think it's closer than uh, a lot of people think. Why? Why not something like a Jonathan Taves then? He doesn't have the MVPs, but he's got the three cups. That's true. I I just in my mind, I think it's uh, a little more fair if it's you know a bit of a. a he had to ruin. He had to piece. ruin some not lives a, to get there, but he got yeah, there. Not a you know a Pat Maroon. I feel like is a good comparison just because he's not an all star as well, but he's but also is it he's not a like, fringe he also, guy. He gets into eighty two games a season. You know, it's not. It's not Ryan also, Reeves riding the bench winning cups. But is that a good comparison? Because he won like three cups in three years, man. I would gladly have that. <laughs> uh, dude, those three years, they had to be so freaking good. Like three summers of just nonstop partying, man. I will, I will say, though, nothing was, nothing was better than the summer of Ovi. That was just top level. Like that was crazy. I'm uh I'm definitely partial to the uh the first year Tampa won the cup, uh in their uh, recent run in 2020 when they went back and they had the big they had the big boat parade and everyone's oh yeah they're freaking passing the Stanley Cup between jet skis and stuff and Vas uh I guess it was the second year. Uh, that Vassy had it. Vassy's going around. He looks like Pyramid Head because he's wearing the freaking con smite over his uh over his head. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that that would be such good times for the boys. And that would God. That'd be so fun to be there. Your your team wins the cup and you go to the parade. Like man, there there's gotta be nothing like it. Yeah, just, exactly. Just like that rad party atmosphere and also just like the boys freaking did it like that's that's got to be sick can't wait to go to the san jose one in five years oh yeah it'll be a good one all they got to do I, and i've been saying it the more as soon as i said it last episode the more i think about it, i'm like holy shit like just looking at what they have right now 
and then their prospect pool coming up, all they got to do is just finish dead last, get the first overall pick. They're, I think they're immediately right back in, in, in the hunt. I don't they think just, if they I just get they're... one more elite, like borderline franchise player to bring into the mix, like you can. Yeah. I, I don't think that running. immediately puts them back into the mix. I think that definitely secures that they will be in the mix. But I think as soon as next year would still be. Only because like, they're I in a bad guys... division. Mm, that's fair. Like if they but... get the, like say they get Celebrini first overall, all of a sudden you have him and Will Smith into the mix. And then all you really need to do, you know, assuming that the development goes the way that it has been, all you got to do is go out and grab, um, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a middle pairing defenseman. Maybe if you can get a, you know, kind of a, a low end top guy and you bring him in, like, I think they're, they're sniffing around a wild card spot, but they just, yeah. they it really, really need to just suck guys, this year. A lot of their guys develop and how quickly they're good. Because mm-hmm. they have a they have a lot of good young young talent that'll be coming up. And I will say this: I will never uh, cheer against them this year. I will always cheer for the Sharks to win. I just won't be um, as upset as normal if they do lose. Because looking at the big picture, a loss help, isn't the worst. It helps thing cope. Them. It helps you cope a lot better with a loss. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Because where I am with Tampa right now, I just want I want them to go eighty two and zero. Like. That's that's the dream. And every time they lose, there's there's no uh, great. We're getting a better pick. F- fuck those picks. They're out the window. So yeah, they don't even have their picks. So yeah, yeah. And no. and Sharks games will be more fun, exciting this year because it's looking like they're gonna have some prospects actually make the team and uh, be a big part of the team, which they didn't really have at all last year. It was just a lot of. Um, veterans and kind of just fillers for the season. So there will be more excitement um, watching these young prospects that you know are going to be a big part of the team in the future. Yeah. But I'm still hoping for wins from them. I uh, I think we're probably a good ways out from if uh, if we were to do it. But I'm just going to throw it out there. What do you think of the idea of uh, maybe uh, streaming us watching a couple games this season? Oh, that's we can easily do that. You know, set up a set up the game on the TV, and then I guess we wouldn't be able to show that, but uh, we could, you know, still have a camera on us, and we could uh, hang out, have a couple brews. If uh, any people want to come and hang out while we're watching the game, rib chat a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I'm just looking up here, just trying to get a. Oof. All right. Well, that one's um, we'll cross that bridge. When we get to it. I was like, we'll for sure do when. Um, Tampa Bay is playing in San Jose, because I know that'll be a, a late game. And that's one that we can easily make work and and whatnot. Right. But that's not till near the end of March. So we, we don't got to worry about that for a while. <laughs> yeah, that'll be really we good. Like a whole season to, before Tampa's trying to secure. Secure the playoffs yeah and san jose is trying to lock down that first overall pick maybe yeah we'll see if you we'll see at that point well on the standings if you're still cheering for them to win every game yeah i guess we'll, we'll see we'll cross that bridge when we get to it yeah 
Um, but yeah, I think that kind of wraps up uh, this episode here. Yeah, that was uh, that was good. That was good uh, conversation on a lot of those. Um, yeah, I don't really have much much more to add, honestly. Yeah, and 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 just quickly before we hop off here, as we talked about before, um, you know, I think once the NHL season starts, we're still going to stick with our our regular uploads that that come out um, every Fridays here. Um, we might have a few extra special episodes um, mixed in here and there, just because you know lots of stuff will be going on throughout the season, and it's it's going to become harder. You know, we're going to go from having really nothing to talk about to a whole lot, so it might be hard to. Um, get it all to fit in yeah exactly so it kind of depending on what's going on with the league you know as as big stuff kind of happens here and there um we will have extra episodes come out here and there um touching on some stuff that you know we don't want to wait a certain amount of days to talk about or it's just something that we feel like is big enough that it kind of deserves its own kind of spotlight for an episode so yeah so uh, we'll just kind of play by ear and uh have a blast with it yeah, so whenever uh, whenever Edmonton plays Arizona and uh, McDavid breaks the record for points in a single game with like fourteen, we'll uh, ex- expect a podcast uh, the next day. When uh, yeah, when exactly right. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think that wraps up everything for this one. Thank you to everybody um, who stuck around with us and listened to this one, and get excited because. The NHL regular season is quickly approaching. Thanks again, everybody. And have a good one.